Welcome to Your Creative Chords podcast. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. Your Creative Chord offers working strategies for effective piano practice, tapping your creativity, caregiver, and spiritual wellness. Join Your Creative Chords community to get my latest content, products, and courses at yourcreativechord.com forward slash sign up here. Chord is spelled C-H-O-R-D. Yourcreativechord.com forward slash sign up here. Today's creativity episode features part two of my interview with University of Kentucky Department of Landscape Architecture Associate Professor Ryan Hargrove. In part one of this interview, Hargrove gives us an overview of his course on creative thinking. We discuss how he approaches the creative process with his students and the critical importance of enduring the discomfort of the problem state necessary for creative flow. If you missed part one of this interview, you'll find the link below in the show notes. In today's episode, we delve more deeply into strategies and benefits of tapping your creative process. Here we go. Describe your strengths as a leader in the creative process. Well, again, a leader in terms of specifically with the creative process, I think you have to understand that you're, again, you're dealing with people and understanding that I would even say in terms of design, we don't even have to think about creativity, but in turn, design is really not design. Design is understanding people um, at its essence. So, and I think that goes for teaching as well. Mm-hmm. So I think my strength is I really, I believe I have a really good ability to understand people in, on an individual basis um, over a period of time, understand how to communicate with them effectively, when to push them, when to give them a hug, you know, um, the things that they need in order to, to foster their growth. And that's very different based on whatever desk I'm sitting at that day, you know, right. and you have to appreciate that, that it's a very different. I mean, many teachers don't take that approach and, and maybe that works for them that they have kind of a uniform blanket approach. But to me, that's a, that's really not doing a, a service to the student. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not saying that you're taking it. It's just a different pathway for each of them to reach their potential. Um, and we, well, I think we get there in different ways and at different speeds um, for whatever reason. And you have to appreciate that. Um, people are, especially when you're, you're interacting with students in a creative way, we all bring different baggage and different perspectives into a problem state. So we have to understand that when you're, when you're mentoring someone in that problem state, you have to, we have to bring all of these out in the open and be transparent and appreciate those for their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, and learn how, learn how that will impact how we navigate the problem. Um, I think if you don't do that, you're just kind of, you're, you're setting yourself up for some unexpected, you know, outcomes. <laughs> so. right, right. It's interesting. You know, a lot of teachers seem to be a little more theoretical in their approach to teaching. They just want to impart the knowledge, you know, yes. that they know. And your approach sounds to me much more holistic and even hands-on kinesthetic and you're bringing the whole yeah. person to it not just that section or specialty or whatever you know the person's teaching so that's really well really creative by the way <laughs> well in my view the knowledge you know for if we look back in history you know it's always been knowledge is power you go to school you acquire knowledge right, people, right. the knowledge held the power and i think that has been true but um 
we're living in a different time now where knowledge is, I mean, it's, it's readily available to us all. Right. I don't even leave my couch to get knowledge. Right. <laughs> so I can take online courses right here in my, in my basement. Um, so knowledge is important. I'm not discounting knowledge without knowledge. You're not in a position to really, um, have the expertise to, to have informed opinions and creative thought. I agree right. with that. But it's not but, the end all. Yeah. Oh, in no way. You can, I can have all the knowledge in the world and not be able to think creatively. And vice versa, I can be extremely creative, but if I don't either have the knowledge or be part, surround myself with others who do have the expertise that I'm lacking, then I'm limited in that way as well. So I would much rather put the impetus on creatively being able to think um, from that standpoint than, than just acquire knowledge. Because I know at, at any point I can find the knowledge. Um, I, what I can't find is the very personalized way to develop my own creative thought process. It just reminds me there's, as you say, everything is online and you can learn so much from online courses at your fingertips from, from your couch, from your phone or whatever. The old knowledge is power versus what you're saying, creatively thinking versus getting knowledge is kind of where you're at. But to me, it sounds, and I know that's a little bit of a catchphrase with what I'm hearing with online uh, courses and things, but the way you're teaching to me seems more focused on the transformation of the person versus just learning something and committing it to memory and then forgetting it when you move to the next thing. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. It's more, I think it's the person's development of as a thinker and a realization of self, because I mean, what could be more valuable to a person than understanding how they learn or how they think? I mean, to me, that is, that's invaluable. You you could give me all the books in the library, all the knowledge that that's not worth more than having an understanding of how I use that knowledge and think mm-hmm. and you know it's so much that, more vast. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely can be applied in many more situations and that's that's the that's the pivot point. I mean, you can have knowledge to a point but it's what separates the the person creatively is how do you use that in a in an innovative or unique way? dependent on a specific problem state. It's not just having knowledge and shoving it at the problem. Um, Anyone could do that, I think. So So it really, just from hearing you, it sounds to me that your strength as a leader in teaching creativity is helping each student transform their way of thinking and their way of learning and and becoming aware of it and then being able to use it, basically. Yes. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. What's your typical day like as a creativity expert? Well, creativity expert might be a catchphrase there, but um, <laughs> uh, my my um, my typical day. Well, you know, a lot of my time is spent again in studio. Um, but if I, as I preach to the students, you know, um, if you're going to be a creative person, you have to be a you know kind of open at all times to growing your experiences and your perspective and your stimulus that could in any time in the future be used to help you solve one of these problems. So I try throughout the day, whether I'm outside of class or whatever time to also give myself a little time to reflect, you know, so whether that's sketching or just reading or, or just getting out and walking, you know, and experience nature or whatever. So I, I guess for me, it's just a balance of family and, and work, but also giving myself time 
Yeah. That's so interesting. I've read a lot recently on boosting creativity and productivity, and so many articles are talking about this importance of downtime, and especially for a creative person, but in my opinion, we're all creative. We just have to learn how to tap it. Yes. This idea of what you just described is having a little bit of a balance. You're aiming to be open, but you're also balancing it with this downtime, reflection, reading, family, walking, reflecting that. Do you feel that that affects your ability to do a good job? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm, 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 I'm actively engaged in what I'm asking the students to be active. So we're, we're kind of doing that in parallel. So um, I'm lo- I'm constantly learning about myself as a creative person, and I'm asking them to do the same. So, what impact do you think it has on you to take some downtime in nature, or reading, or just sitting around and reflecting? Do you see an immediate effect of that, or if you don't have that, do you see any repercussions? I think it's a collective and immediate. Um, I think there's a few things that are. I mean, this is all relative to the individual and yeah. their their ability to do so, but I think. Just being active, um, whether that's, I know some people, you know, exercise, but just getting up and moving. I think, um, I think, you know, letting your mind wander is really important. Like, I don't want to say being bored, but just let, having, not having it directed at a specific task, just being able to wander. And then the other, I guess, to wander, to let yourself walk around and get lost and um, physically go to new places, try to walk a different path to work, you know, go to a different area you've never been to. So engaging in new in places and people, I think both of those are really um, critical to growing as a creative individual. Do you see, I don't know if you've experienced, because you're now in the groove of, of balancing yourself with this, but have you seen it with yourself or with students where they're not, you're not getting that uh, time, downtime or time to relax or wander? Have you experienced the opposite of not having enough of that and how it impacts yourself? Or do you feel like you're now so in the groove of it that you know that it improves your your flow or your work? Uh, I think it's absolutely true. I mean, not so much of so many of the students, and I'm, I'm going to even put myself into this, is we're, we're connected to our technology. Right. Um, and I think that's that can be really good, but I also think that it typically leads to a kind of a stationary interaction with something. Right. Uh, so, you know, we have to find a way to, to disconnect ourselves at times. And I think we also have to find a way to continually challenge ourselves in new situations. So trying things out of out of your comfort zone. So what result do you think that leads to? I mean, is it a feeling or is it a, a, a better production or? Well, I think the activity of being active is certainly, I mean, I think there's a physiological impact there of just, you know, how our body operates. I think when we feel healthy and, act, and eat healthy and are active, we feel better. So we're going to think more, there's going to be more clarity there and there's going to be more energy, I would say. On the other hand, you know, I think exposing yourself to other perspectives and putting yourself in a situation where um, kind of it's new to you um, is that there's a certain state. It's kind of like I think it's called the holiday paradox. Mm. It's a, it's a situation in which you you're seeing things with fresh eyes. Okay. Um, so like putting yourself in a situation where you're forced to do that. Um, so if I went out and I tried. Um, I don't know, ballet, 
which I've never done before. <laughs> in my life. Like I'm in a completely unknown situation to myself. So I'm going to just by, by the very nature of the activity, I'm going to be noticing things. I'm going to be out of my default automatically because okay. everything's new to me. I'm noticing all these, all these cues, all these things that I've never noticed before just because it's so new to me. And I'm, I think my sentence, my senses are heightened in that moment too, because I'm, it's, I'm not able to use my default setting. Um, and I think we have to push ourselves into more. And then you think that the result of that is when you're actually going back to your regular job or situation or tasks or problems that you're able to have fresh energy or fresh eyes to that situation because of forcing yourself to do these new outside of the box experiences. Yes. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it, um, one, I think it's twofold. One, it automatically ensures you're, you're growing your not only experiences, but your, your encounters with new things and new possibilities just by the nature of going to new areas. Um, and two, I think it forces you to broaden your perspective and gives you a new energy. You know, like I just think when you engage in something new and, right. and it, it gives you a different perspective on, on, on not only what you're doing, but your life as in, in general. Kind of um, ignites your energy or ignites or yeah. re rejuvenates or refreshes something in you. Yeah. It connects you with a new, a whole new network of things, whether it's people or places or um, feelings. So I think the more interesting connection that we can make um, in our lives, the more the more chance we're gonna, the better chance we're gonna have to have those, to be able to tap into those when we need to. We need to make unique connections to solve problems. Through your class on the creative thinking at, at the University of Kentucky, I understand that it challenges students to explore their creative thinking process through the framework of metacognition. But is there anything else that you might that we left out that you might feel like you might want to add to that? Well, uh, again, I'll just reiterate that sadly or shockingly, so little time in our day is dedicated to reflection. So little. Yeah. Um, and I just think that is such a disservice in terms of growth potential uh, for individuals. So, because to me, the, the moment that you're growing the most is when you're reflecting. How many times have you done something? I do this all the time. So when I try something or I'm, I'm engaged in a problem and I don't spend the time on the back end or even while I'm doing it to reflect. And then I'm faced with that a certain amount of time later. And it's like I repeat the same mistake or error that I did mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. And the reason that happens is that I didn't give myself enough time for it to really sink in or reflect on it to where I could internalize it and, and grow from it. Um, so therefore, I'm, one, I'm more likely to repeat the same mistake that I made. And two, I haven't given it time to kind of ruminate in my mind to who knows where it would go, where, where it's going to grow off of that. So I may learn something that on the surface is one thing, but by ruminating on it, it's now connecting to all of these other infinite possibilities in my brain. So it's that time of pause and reflection and rumination that those interesting connections happen. So like, uh, with our memory when we when we encounter something and we encode that into our schema in our mind the longer we reflect on it and code it in a really specific or unique way the better chance we have of not only recalling that but of recalling it in a creative way so if we're just putting things into our mind in the way we see them and as quickly as possible we're losing 
like 90 something percent, you know, I don't know what the number is, but we're losing a vast majority. And a lot of what we're encoding in our brain is stripped down to the very bare essence Mm -hmm. of what And this is so exciting to me because in the creative professions, they have these huge rooms where they have ping pong tables and, and, um, Mm. you know, relaxing sofas where people just sit around and play, you know, and then they and then they work on their software or whatever coding or whatever it is that they do for their or designing or whatever. And I love this idea that adults and not just children, but adults need playtime or downtime or time to sit in a garden and or walk somewhere without thinking even you know I love that it's coming up more and more in the things that I've been looking at online and researching and and through your class I can definitely see the way that you're perceiving or or approaching things you give so much um, importance to reflection and downtime because I love this part that the research is showing it literally impacts better productivity, you know, and like you're saying, it, it impacts creativity in ways that you can't foresee. And if you don't give yourself the time to do it, to, the time to reflect on what you're doing or whatever, then you don't even give it time to percolate into creative expression. Yes. So it's it's wonderful for me as a creative person to hear that downtime is good. You know, I'm not saying we all just dedicate our day to playing ping pong and board games. <laughs> what I'm saying is you have to have that that back and forth of the two. And we also have to appreciate the value of reflecting. And reflecting to me is different than just letting your mind wander. That reflective is more a little more purposeful. You know, like, okay, what am I doing right now? Is it working? Is it not working? What do I learn? How could this be applied to something I'm doing in the future? Like asking yourself those questions all the time while you're solving problems. So it's uh, evaluating than, in a way. It is. It's evaluating in the moment how you're approaching and how you're thinking a problem. You're talking more about reflecting in a, you know, a way of more thoughtful rather than just compl- constantly doing task after task after task. And yes. but I'm also saying that I'm understanding and it's and I'm wondering how this fits into what you're doing to have a little of downtime, meaning walking in the park or just sitting and looking out the window or reading a book. It's relaxing. It's not of you know appreciating or reflecting or evaluating it's literally just letting your mind wander without yeah. giving it a direction do you think that's is that part of the process that you're describing absolutely um and i i don't know that there's a prescriptive time to do that in a process or but i think there's just a, the daydreaming state you know where you just go into like you know right. you don't know where your thoughts are but they're they're just kind of running on their own right, i think right that's that kind of gets i don't know how many you've seen that stereotypical thing of the student in the class and the teacher stop daydreaming you know like get back on task but uh, to some degree again with within reason right i think those, those times are important uh, i think our brain is actually doing important things when that's happening very important things. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I've been reading a lot of that. That I'm not saying that you need to spend a whole day doing nothing and daydreaming or playing <laughs> games, but but even sometimes yes. that's appropriate. It depends on how hard you've been working. Absolutely. What are some of the best tips towards successfully tapping creativity that you've gleaned from the variety of creative professionals that you've invited into that program? Or you don't have to limit it to the creative professionals because I know you incorporate these in your class. What are some of the best tips you could give? Yeah, well, um, every spring we t- uh, for the past six years, we've done something called a creative study tour. So um, 
we pick a different city somewhere in the U.S. and we get a handful of students and we take off kind of like amazing race <laughs> and we go to that city and we spend four or five days leaping from one creative person to the next and talking exactly about right. what this question is asked. So um, I can maybe talk about some of the um, commonalities I've seen sure. across all of these different people from chefs to artists to architects to children's book authors to whatever. Um, it's, I think there's a couple things that, uh, I think are, you know, um, common across all of those people. One of which is you have to, um, you have to learn to listen to yourself, you know, um, and understand yourself as a creative person. So a lot of these creative individuals have a really, really keen understanding of who they are and how they think and how they approach problems. Mm-hmm. But they do have the acknowledgement that this is constantly evolving and changing. So very, very few people, if any that we visited, have said, yep, I've figured it out. I've got the creative process down. I do the same thing, and I've mastered it. I'm a master, despite (laughs) some of these people being true masters of what they do. uh, They acknowledge that creativity is a fluid thing, um, and every problem state you're encountering is a fluid thing. Therefore, you have to be. You have to acknowledge and be willing to um, adopt an approach that is constantly evolving with you as a person and the problem state. So that's one thing that I've really noticed and appreciated. Is I think it's kind of the acknowledgement that this creative thing it's really hard and it's a moving target, and um, I'm just doing my best to evolve as closely aligned with myself so I can be in a position to think creatively. Um, but in order to do so, you have to have a keen understanding of yourself. Do you think there are any mm, common things, strategies that people do to set themselves up to be able to tap their creativity? Yeah, I think one thing I, I, I would advise everyone is to, is to um, try to engage in creative problems with others uh, and then watch how other people approach it differently than you do. And not only watch, but ask, kind of do these think aloud protocols where you're asking someone as they're as they're working through the same thing you are. What did you? What were you thinking here? Well, how did you approach that? And then share how you did it. Um, and what you'll notice is there's no there's no pathway to figuring this out. There's a lot of overlap at times, but there's also some some divergence, and those divergent pieces can be really enlightening, um, and they could be they could be that some person approaches it differently just because that that helps them or that's the way they think, or it could be something you're missing that could really help you. Um, so just engaging in problems with others and asking and inquiring about how they're thinking as they're doing so. Do you think there are certain things that creative pros do to ensure they're in their best shape as creators? I think so. I think some will acknowledge that, that they realize there is power in in, in being healthy and active, but I don't know. I can't say for sure that everyone does this. What well, creativity is kind of a, it's a tough thing because it can be consuming. Um, once you once you set your mind on a course to be to notice everything around you at a deep level and see everything with you know making the strange familiar and the familiar strange, it can be consuming. <laughs> so. Some people take that to a level that is probably a maybe unhealthy, to be honest Working with you. Working 18 hours or 24 hours, right. 
Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> you get in a project and you block out everything else. Yes. Um, but what I think they will, all of these creative individuals are, they're just sponges. They're, they're always seeking new avenues of information and experience and perspective that they can somehow filter into their own process or their own inspiration. They're always seeking that out. So, and they, what they appreciate, I think the most creative people is this can come from anywhere. Right. It can come from a four-year-old in a kindergarten class. It can come from a 98-year-old sitting on a park bench. It can come from a walk in the woods. It can come from taking out your trash to the curb. It can come in the moments you least expect or reading, you know, a Dickens novel. Who knows? Right. It, I mean, it can, you don't know when it's going to hit you because um, it's, it's, it's often not, um, in an obvious way. It's often, you're seeing things in a way that you least expected to see it. And that's when something interesting happens. Mm, yeah. I love that. Doing something in a new place, in a different place, and especially with nature, sometimes that can trigger a lot of people. Other times it's philosophy or having a conversation or a spiritual connection or something. And, uh, you know, other people, it's their relationships that spark it or watching someone else's technique. I think all of those are very, very good, very, very good suggestions. I mean, for me, nature is the most powerful mm, yeah. inspiration to me because I think it's it's the closest thing we have to a perfect system. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you examine nature at different scales, it is it's just mind blowing. I, I mean, it's absolutely mind blowing. Just the patterns, the complexity, the systems, uh, the air, oh, just the God. air. The oh fresh yeah. Air. <laughs> oh, it's just unbelievable. So yeah, we could there could be a whole class, there could be a whole major, there could be a whole life study on you know, nature as a, as, as a an system. inspiration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a connection to that. The, what I'm finding amazing is the interconnection, but it's not just like creativity isn't this little package by itself in a box. It's this incredible interconnection with the whole person in every aspect of you, whether it's physical, emotional, social, spiritual, it's it, it, and whatever your creative expression is, whether it's visual or audio or you know, it's amazing to me how interconnected everything is and to and what you just described nature to me is i don't know like the closest thing to the to the most perfect way to explain that interconnection because it's all kind of there absolutely <laughs> but uh it's, it's there on levels we can't even notice i mean it's i love that i totally agree with this it makes me want to go outside right now what role does technology play in the exploration of creativity? I've explored technology in a lot of different ways. We, we've done class, you know, blogs. We've done, um, used Instagram as a way to, 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 to create dialogue across students. And, I mean, you have to adapt to the way students right. are processing information. I mean, now I, I send students emails. They don't, they don't even use email anymore. <laughs> so you have to adapt or your message just isn't received. So... I think there's part of it is knowing your audience and, and, and admitting that, you know, acknowledging that, okay, if this is the way they're going to consume things, I at least have to adopt that as a way to reach them. Um, but in terms of just creative thinking, I think that, you know, a big part of what I ask students do is externalize how they're thinking. So what's going on in your head right now? Can you show me that on a piece of paper? Can you diagram that? Can you, can you model that in a really, you know, simplistic way 
Um, Using technology or? Yeah, on your iPad, on your whatever, on your your voice app where you can just click click memos. Um, So I think the key thing with technology to me and creativity isn't isn't that um, it just unlocks some open door that we aren't don't have access to. To me, it's that so many people are constantly on technology. It's the one place that they have some agency and consistent um, use. So you can either say, well, no, you need to get off there. You know, shouldn't be on technology. It's ruining your creativity. It's, it's squashing. And maybe there's some truth to that. But there's also, there's power in that the students that I have have their phone in their hand 90% of the day. Right. So can I use that as a tool knowing they're not going to put it down? <laughs> no. Can I use that now as a tool for them to either, oh, can you, let's see, use this app to create voice memos throughout the day when an idea comes to you. Or, hey, check out this Apple pen that you're all getting now at UK on the iPads. And, and let's, whenever an idea comes to you, sketch it down in layers on this app. It's pretty cool. So it, to me, that's the piece. It's not. You're, you're adapting to them. Absolutely. I, I just don't think slapping it out of their hand and saying, pick up a pencil. And, I mean, that's what I use. But that does, that's not what they use. Right. What advice would you give someone who wants to make a living as a creative professional? Do you have any insight from your class or through talking or all these creative pros on those trips that you take with your students? Yes. Um, and this is hard to tell, you know, you tell someone when you're 18, a lot of people are 18 or 19 or 20. They, you may not figure this out, but the best advice I could give someone who's going to be a creative professional or any individual is, is find your, you know, find your must, um, find your passion. Um, because if you're doing something you're passionate about, all those other things are going to fall into place because you're engaged in it. You love what you're doing and what, can in other situations appear as just arduous, become interesting and engaging and meaningful to you. So if you can find your passion, whether that's, I don't, I don't really care what it is. If you're, if you're passionate about it, you're more likely to be, to excel at it. And therefore all those other things that students are worried about, can I make money? Is there a career path? That'll take care of itself because you're, you're more likely to be really good at that. And if you're really good at just about anything, then there's an avenue for success in whatever form you define success. Um, so okay. that's what I preach to students is allowing them to, you know, find what you're, find what is your calling. Like if you're finding yourself in a, if you're a communications major, but you're spending all of your time doodling comics on the side or, you know, doing artwork in your dorm room and you just hate doing your other work, maybe you should pivot and like explore what you're really being drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That was my suggestion. Um, in terms of a creative professional though, I mean, obviously it's some of the things we talked about earlier is you have to be, you have to have a certain mindset and this goes for anyone creative or uncreative. The, mo- the best skill I can I can say that anyone could de- develop is to to have um, a keen self awareness, because if you're if you're self aware, it puts you then in a position to really be valuable not only to others but in a position where you can grow in any capacity that you're going to be asked to to perform. How do you recommend 
to students to develop that self-awareness, to, to have that kind of a mindset or skill? What ways that they can reach that? Sure. I think surround, surround yourself with people who bring out the best in you and who, who you look up to in terms of the, who they are as people and the work that they're producing. And then ask, ask of those people to be honest with you. And most of those people that you admire will be honest with you. But put yourself around people that bring out the best and ask and force you to excel. They, they challenge you as a creative person. Like, I want to I be like that or I want to aspire to do that. Or they're challenging you on a daily basis. And then ask them to be honest with you and assess you and give you feedback in an honest way. It, so many people come into um, our classes in design and they come in with a – with a level of competency pretty high, but they don't put themselves in positions where they're, they're challenging themselves or they settle for good when they could be great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so seek out those challenges, seek them out and seek out people that'll be honest with you. And, and in moments, you know, I don't mean cruel. I just mean, they're not going to just pat you on the back and tell you you're great all the time. Right. So, and whom you admire and because of what they're doing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we really are a collection of who we surround ourselves with. So, what are the three most important skills you recommend to pave a path as a creative professional? Well, you kind of looped that in a little bit—the mindset and surround yourself with right. with great people that bring out the best in you and that are better than you. I like that. Looking for people that are better than me, and then asking them for their opinion. Is there anything else you wanted to? Yeah, there's one big one that I haven't mentioned, which is the skill of association. Um, you, you know, the my entire dissertation work, you know, when I came into NC State was, okay, how do I want to wrap my hand around this big, messy ball of creativity? And I, I could have spent an entire life working on that. Right. I had to decide, um, okay, what aspect of creativity do I deem most important? And it was the skill of association. What I mean by that is, how do you develop the ability to take disparate pieces and combine them into something new that that addresses a, a problem in a in a new way. So, how do we develop that as as creative individuals? One way is, is we have to we have to have the um, we have to have the repertoire. We have to have the 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 pieces to be able to combine. First of all, and that comes through our our breadth of experience craft. and people yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So we have to have we have to have a library to pull from. And the second piece is we have to be able to have a library that's organized in a way that we could find our information and find it in unique ways. So it's like, uh, you know, when I was in elementary school, remember the Dewey Decimal, how we had everything in the little cards in the library? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pull out the little shelves and the, the, the cards and the things. And, uh, you know, that was an organization system. Right. So you, could, you could find something in a, in a neat and efficient way. Um, so there's a balance between being too organized where everything is exactly as it seemed on the surface and being too disorganized where you have all this cool stuff, but you can't ever access it. Right. <laughs> like all the, all the shelves have been pushed over and you're like, you're searching through it and you, it's upside you down. <laughs> yes. It has to be organized, but it has to be organized in a way that you can then view it in multiple ways. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you could view the information, not, as one singular thing as all the things you've tied to that piece of information. So that's the challenge. 
So <laughs> that's pretty overwhelming. Just just that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes back to like when we experience something or or learn something new. Um, how do we then encode that information into our brain? Is it do we just say? Oh, I went and talked to such and such today. This was really something interesting they said. Do you just pop that into your head? Or do you say, why is that interesting? Does this remind me of anything else I've, I've encountered? Interconnecting it, yeah. Yes, you have to start connecting it before you put it in your brain. Mm. That's what allows you to, when you go access it again, to be able to have those strings already attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your goals for your future with regard to creativity and, and your career? Well, I think it comes back to our, our original point we had earlier about, you know, is one semester enough? And um, I'm currently working on a few initiatives now to try and provide opportunities across undergraduate education at UK where each student will have an opportunity to engage in these creative problem states, you know, this, this active type of learning with a problem, this negotiation of problems. Um, sometime in their in their time at UK, whether that's a, a an elective course, whether that's a co curricular experience, whether that's a a trip they take, whether that's a a long term master's project, I don't know. But how do we set up opportunities for students that they can engage in these creative deep dives? You know, which which reflection and association, all these things are a part of that. Um, and how do we set up opportunities where they're able to interact with those throughout their time at UK? So it's not a it's not a blip on their radar. Right. You know, it's it's a it's something that allows knowledge to be knowledge and skills to be transferred and grow and foster this type of thinking over time. So that's working. That sounds incredibly valuable for every type of student, no matter where what their background or where they're coming from or what level, whether it's undergrad or graduate or beyond. It, even even I even feel that UK staff would benefit, you know, like they you know the the instructors would benefit from a class like that, just to explore things differently and maybe refresh, you know, a little bit. Absolutely, this is what we really we all should be engaging in this. For all the, you know the the UK core should be this approach to thinking, you know, not and I, again I'm not discounting. I'm not discounting philosophy and humanities. I'm not discounting any of those right. subjects, but I'm talking about viewing all of that within a framework um, that allows all of this knowledge to be interconnected and associated and used in novel ways. I love it. And let me just clarify that I've launched an online blog. It's called Your Creative Chord, and I cover piano, creativity, caregiver, and spiritual wellness niches, but I also have some interconnections between those, and part of what I'm doing is interviewing creative people like composers and writers and you and, and, and others as I go, artists, and just trying to kind of get different perspectives on creative process like you do with your students on trips in some ways. I am a creative person, so I also bring out my own take on it. So a lot of the people that are coming to my site now that are I'm building some traffic as I go are, you know, a lot of musicians, composers, artists, writers, caregivers, and people seeking more, you know, personal growth, spiritual wellness type things. So they're all really open to the idea of tapping their creativity, whether it's for professional reasons or not. If there's anything that's relevant to my particular audience, what could you share that about yourself or your profession or anything else that might be relevant about tapping creativity, whether it's for fun 
or professionally? I would just maybe end with the fact that, you know, I think it's important. I'm, I'm, I've mentioned throughout this hour all these things that I try to impart onto students, but this goes for anyone is just practice what you're, what you're preaching, you know? So, you know, visiting blogs like yourself and, and engaging and learning from others and, and, and advice they may have to impart onto you. I think that's really important, whether that's through, you know, books or blogs or, right. or videos, it's just like immersing yourself in a new perspective. Uh, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, yeah, you're going to grow from that. Um, and I think that's really important for us all is just to continue to challenge ourselves to do some of these things that we we talked about today. And sometimes that can be hard. You know, life happens. So we get busy and um, we have to prioritize things. And unfortunately, things like the things, some of the things we talked about today, like being active and, and wandering and, um, you know, eating right, and they get pushed to the bottom sometimes. Right, right. A little bit of balance. Yeah, and I would just urge everyone to, you know, continue to try to push those to the top because as you do so, it's going to impact everything below that. Um, so if these things are at the top, if, if, if growing your experiences, if being continually being active, if engaging with nature is at the top of your priorities, even for, and it doesn't take a lot of time to do so effectively, everything that you have below that on your priorities is going to be positively affected um, by that. So that, that's what my, I guess I could end on that and just encourage everyone to do that. I love that. I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Ryan. I I have so enjoyed this. I think it'd be great to bring some awareness to what you're doing. It is amazing what you're doing for the students and for UK in general. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And um, I think conversations like this are, are important and certainly, um, I've got I've gained a lot from the conversation today as well. So thank you. You encouraged me. So thank you so much. No problem. It was nice talking with you today. You too. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for joining your Creative Chords podcast. I'd like to thank Creative Expert Associate Professor Ryan Hargrove of University of Kentucky for taking time to share his perspective and experience on the topic of the creative process. If you missed part one of this interview, please check for that link below in the show notes. I'm Jenny Lee Hodgins. Feel free to share this podcast with others who may benefit from this info. You can get more inspiring strategies for piano progress, exploring creativity, caregiver and spiritual wellness when you join my mailing list at yourcreativechord.com forward slash sign up here. That's C-H-O-R-D, yourcreativechord.com dot com forward slash sign up here. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts in the comments below this podcast link. You can also find your creative cord on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks for joining me. Have a fabulously creative day.